Well, good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Doing well? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Good to be with you here this morning. I want to give a special shout out to the Franklin campus this morning. Good to be with all of you and welcome all of you from our Banta campus and those of you watching online from wherever you are around the world. And those of you here at Greenwood, it's so great to be with you. My name is Brent. As Matt said, I am the Franklin campus pastor here at Emmanuel Church. And uh, we have been in a series called God Never Said That. And over the course of the last three weeks, we've been talking about some popular phrases or statements that people make that uh, God never said. And we've been unpacking what God actually did say about those. So if you've not had a chance to hear those, I would encourage you to go to our website and check those out. And I'm excited that I get to close out this series with you today with this statement right here in your notes. God will never give you more than you can handle. God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard someone say that before? Maybe you have said that before. God will not give you more than you can handle. I know how I've had people say that before in my life, but here's the reality. God never said that. And I'll be the first one to let you know that I've experienced more than I can handle in my life many, many times. In fact, I'm living this in my life pretty much on a daily basis in our home. My beautiful and amazing wife, Amy, and I, we just celebrated 17 years of marriage last week. Is that cool? Yeah, we are excited. And, uh, you know, we probably started off like most of you in regards to getting to know each other and dating and falling in love and getting married and never having any arguments. Yeah? Anybody? All right, we've had a lot of arguments over the years. But who's counting? Because love keeps no records of wrong. Isn't that right? Yes. But about five years into our marriage, God blessed us with our first daughter, Kira. And then about two years later after that, God blessed us with our second daughter, Kenna. And I have a picture of them right here. These are the beautiful ladies in my life. I want to give you a quick side note, though, to let you know that I grew up in a family where I had two brothers. So it was a very male-dominated home. A lot of love from my mom. But she was definitely outnumbered. And so when God gave me two girls, I always tell people, I think God's got a sense of humor because I have no idea what I'm doing sometimes. Maybe you can relate. If you're a parent here, you can definitely relate to the amount of time, energy, and stress that is involved in having and raising kids, right? I mean, we feel like at some points that's enough for us to handle in life. Well, on top of that, Amy and I both work full-time jobs outside the home, and so we feel like maybe that is enough for us to handle. But our story continues. After our second daughter was born, God began to lay on our heart to step into the foster and adoption journey. And I'll just be honest with you, uh, that freaked us out. We were like, uh, I don't think that we can handle all of that. And so we pushed it to the side, and God would continue to bring it up over the years, but we would be like, ah, God, I really don't think that that's something that we can handle right now. We kind of look into it a little bit and ask some questions, but still tried to keep it at arm's length for as long as we possibly could. About a year and a half ago, we finally said yes to stepping into the foster journey, and so we start the process of getting licensed. They ask you a whole lot of questions, and I don't remember all of them, but one that sticks out in my mind that I do remember is this. They said, how many kids are you willing to foster and adopt? And I was like, ooh, that's easy. One. Right? We're good. We'll just, we'll do one. And uh, so, you know, fast forward, we get our license and we get a call about a uh, baby boy and we're like, yes. And so we go to pick him up and bring him into our home and the journey begins. And he's this cute 
little 10-month-old baby boy, and he's just learning how to crawl and, you know, get to dress him in some cool baby clothes. Because remember, I've had daughters, so this is a whole new ball game for me, and it's, it's pretty cool. He's getting to know us, and we're getting to know him, and things are going really well. Then about two weeks later, we get a phone call from the caseworker and says, hey, his mom just had another baby boy. Would you be willing to take him into your home too? And you know what our answer was, right? No! Absolutely not. I mean, we put one down for the answer, right? And we already have one in our home. And my math tells me that if we had another one, that's two. <laughs> and not only does the math not add up here, but that's just way more than what we could handle. However, God has a way of changing our hearts and minds, doesn't he? And so now we have four kids in our home. Two of them are the age of one. And all of the good times that come with that, right? And part of the fostering process, for those of you who don't know, is kind of a revolving door uh, from week to week of people in and out of our home with like therapists and caseworkers and supervised visitors and everything like that. And then also in addition to that is all the emails and phone calls that come along with that with setting up visits and meetings and doctor's appointments. And oh, by the way, our daughters are in middle school now. So everything that comes along with that and being with them and for them and all the extracurricular activities that they're involved in. And oh, on top of that, we have family members that are having health problems, including my mother-in-law that actually just was in ER this week. And the cherry on top of it this week was my wife came home on the same day that her mom was in the hospital and came home to the smoke alarm going off in our house, which included the fire department coming to our home, right? Everybody, thank goodness, is okay and nothing burnt down, but just add that to the list of the more that we can handle. But you have a list too, right? I mean, if I were to ask all of you to go around and start writing down everything in your life that's more than you could handle you could probably go to town just like we could, right? I mean, maybe on your list has to do with a job, you're looking for a job, or you just have way more on your plate right now than you could handle, and it's trying to find that work-life balance, right? Or maybe for you, it has to do with health problems too. Maybe someone in your family or someone you love got diagnosed with cancer and are starting to rock your world. Or maybe for you, it's relationships. You got in a fight with your, an argument with your spouse or your boyfriend or girlfriend is starting to spiral out of control more than what you ever thought it was going to be. Maybe you're a student here today and you just went back to school or you're getting ready to go back to school and you know all the tests and quizzes you have to take or all the homework you have to do, right? And at some point you're just going to be stressed out and more than you can handle. And so at some point, potentially each week or maybe even each day, we could all say that we have more than we could handle in our lives, right? So why in the world would people say, well, God will never give you more than you can handle? I think one of the reasons comes from a misunderstanding of a scripture passage found in 1 Corinthians. It says this, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience, and God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. You see, Paul was talking about temptation here. He was not talking about being stressed out or overwhelmed. And the good news is that when you are tempted to sin, God will give you a way out. But nowhere does it say that God will not give you more than you can handle. Another reason why I think people say God won't give you more than you can handle is because of this thought pattern that exists 
in our, in our minds that says something like this. If God loves me, then all this stuff that I can't handle should not be happening. You see, I think we try and put God in our own little box sometimes, right, so that we think we can manipulate him to do what we want to do. And there's no way we want more than we can handle, right? And so we think that if we do get more than we can handle, then God has maybe somehow abandoned us. But God never said that either. In fact, God said quite the opposite of that in John 16, He says this, here on earth, you have many trials and sorrows. So in other words, if it's not already in your life, then look out because it's coming. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that actually to give you a picture of reality. And so if that's reality, then the reality statement should actually look something more like this. We don't have control over our trials, but we do have control over our response to trials. And what's interesting is that it's actually in our response to those trials that shape our experience in life, is it not? And so if response is so important, then how should we respond in the midst of more than we can handle? Well, the first thing in your notes there is this, depend on God's presence. Depend on God's presence. When life is good, when we have enough money, when relationships are going well, when our health is in good shape, it's really easy not to have to depend on God, right? But when the bottom drops out or when we start to experience more than we can handle, then we may start to understand why we need God. And what's really interesting is that we were actually never created to take on everything in our life anyways. We were created to need God. David talks about this in Psalm 23. And for those of you that don't know, David was a king and he was a warrior. David was a shepherd and a leader. David was a father and a husband and he was an author and a musician. And so David had many aspects of his life where he experienced more than he can handle. And you can read his stories in some of the Old Testament. And what you'll find is, especially early on in David's life and his kind of young adult years, that David actually responded a lot of times in a way that he didn't depend on God kind of tried to handle it on his own. But as he kind of learned from that and through all of many other experiences and battles that he had faced later on in his life, David wrote this in Psalm 23. He starts in verse one and says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. It's a very powerful statement that David is making here to say that God is all that we need. And he goes on to say, the Lord is my shepherd. So as he refers to God as our shepherd, that means that we as humans are referred to as sheep. Now I gotta tell you, I'm not a sheep expert by any means, but I'm pretty sure that David wasn't referring to like the cute, cuddly, woolly sheep that we use to help us fall asleep at night in this passage. But rather, you see, David was a shepherd, and so David knew that sheep need to be protected and they needed to be cared for. And sheep are prone to get lost, and so they must be led to where they need to go. And whether we believe it or not, the same is true for us. We need to be led by God. Now, I know in a crowd like this, there are some people here that are saying, I don't need to be led by God. I don't want anyone telling me how to live my life. And I get that. I really do. I've been there. I struggle with that myself. But I want to ask you this question that has been asked of me during that time as well, and it's this, how is that going for you? 
I, I can tell you this example of when I experience more than I can handle and I feel like I don't have control and it's when I'm on a plane and it's because I'm not the one flying that plane and maybe you've experienced this too and I just imagine sometimes and maybe if you'll imagine with me like what it could be like if I was actually able to help the plane fly. It may go something like this, right? I give them my ticket, they let me on the plane, I find my seat where it's at and I put my luggage up top, right? And then I kind of start to stretch out and get ready for, you know, I'm going to help fly this plane, right? And I sit down and put my seatbelt on, everyone's ready, and we pull away from the terminal, and we start down the runway, and the flight attendants start to do what they do, like the exits are here, 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 and here. And if you start to lose cabin pressure, you got to put this mask on, right? And then we start to ascend in the air, and it's on, right? I'm up. I start flapping my arms, Right? And people look in at me and they look away and they look in at me and they look away. And finally someone says, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, I'm just helping the plane fly. You should look out the window. It's working. Right? And I bet if you start flapping your arms, we'll go higher in the air too. Right? And then when the plane starts to go down because the engine stopped working, I'm going to quickly realize that me flapping my arms is not going to keep the plane up in the air. I need to depend on something beyond myself. And as funny as that illustration is, isn't that what we tend to do in life? We're like, I got this, God. I don't need you. I can handle it. And then when we start to experience more of what we can't handle, we feel the weight of the world on our shoulders, don't we? We feel like lost and we can't take another step. We feel helpless and like we don't know what to do. And the whole time God is saying, I'm right here. I'm right here. David goes on to say in verses 2 and 3, he says this. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. You see, when we depend on God's presence, God gives us four great promises that I believe we all are looking for. I mean, who would not want some rest of soul in their life, right? How about to experience more peace or be restored in your strength or how about to be guided in your next steps? I believe we all desire this. Even if you're not a follower of Jesus, I believe you desire this because this just makes our lives better, doesn't it? Here's how I know this. Mayo Clinic did a study where they showed the common effects of stress on your body and common effects of stress on your mood. And these are probably not gonna be surprising to us at all. And this is just kind of a small portion, so if you wanna find the rest of the results, you can kind of check that out on your own. But as we just kind of take a look at this at first, we can, we can already start to see that when we don't depend on God's presence, there are things that happen that we just don't want, right? These are the things that start to happen in our lives. And we don't wake up every morning saying, mm, you know what would make this day great is if I could just get a headache, right? Like we don't wake up every morning saying, what would make this day better is if I could just get some chest pain right now, you know? Or, or what would make my life better overall every single day if we could just pour on the anxiety? Come on, bring it, right? No, we don't say that, do we? We want the rest, we want the strength, and we want the guidance. And God is saying, I'm right here. If you'll learn to depend on my presence, 
I'd love to lead you, I'd love to guide you, and I'd love to restore you. And it's available for all of us. Second way in which we should respond in the midst of more than we can handle is this, to hand over control to God. Hand over control to God. Now, can we just all admit that this is very hard for us, right? I mean, I'll go first. It's very hard for me because when I hand over control, then I may not get the answers that I want. When I hand over control, then things may not go the way that I want them to go. When, When I hand over control, I may not be as secure as I want to be. I know this was the case for me when we were talking about whether or not to bring two babies into our home. I was like, God, I don't think so. (laughs) You know, like this isn't actually playing out in the way that I think it should go or definitely doesn't seem to be playing out in my favor here. And I made a list for God to see, right? One of the things on my list was, I don't know how we can afford more kids, right? I mean, there's diapers and wipes and food and clothes. I mean, just the basic necessities and then everything else that's involved as life happens, right? Another thing on my list was, Enough space in my house, right? We're all looking for more space and bigger homes. And not only am I not getting that, we're adding two more people in. What? <laughs> that doesn't seem right. And I had no idea there's, there's kind of these qualifications and regulations within the fostering process too that I hadn't figured out yet and trying to work on that. Another thing on my list was, uh, God, I really don't know if I can parent four kids well. I'll just be honest with you. And two of them are babies, right? And the amount of time and energy that has to be spent on that. And God, I'm not getting any younger these days, right? I mean, I can't just like leave them to do what they want to do because our house probably would burn down then, right? And I had all these things listed out and all the answers seemed to line up to be like, no, this is not going to work out this way, God. I think you got it wrong. And I'll never forget, it was during one of our family devotional times in our home. We try and have devotions together as a family so that we can help teach our kids what it can look like to grow in Christ. And it was during one of these times that God started to reveal to me how I was not handing over control in this particular area of my life. And I want to read to you out of that devotional today because I feel like it could be helpful for you as well. comes from a book called Jesus Calling, written by Sarah Young. I think this is the the teen version. And she starts off here saying from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, she says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Now, I've read that verse many, many times, and maybe you have too. And I know Pastor Danny has spoken about it as well. And I thought I was doing a pretty good job actually of living that out in my life. And then I started to read the words that Sarah wrote in the devotional. And that's when God started to reveal to me that I wasn't handing over control. And this is what she said. Understanding will never bring you peace. That's why I've instructed you to trust in me, not in your understanding. Human beings have a voracious appetite for trying to figure things out in order to gain a sense of mastery over their lives. Don't know about you, but that's when I started to feel the weight of this. But she goes on to say this, but the world presents you with an endless series of problems. As soon as you master one set, another pops up to challenge you. In other words, we're going to have more than we can handle in this life. 
and the relief that you had anticipated is short-lived. Soon your mind is gearing up again, searching for understanding or mastery instead of seeking me, your master. And it was at that point that I paused and a smile broke out across my face and I began to chuckle as I turned to look at my wife and realized that she was doing the same thing. Because in that moment, we realized that if we were going to ask our kids to hand over control of their life to God so that he could direct their paths, that we had to lead the way. That we had to lead the way in this, even in the midst of more than we can handle. And it is. It is crazy town up in our house, I'll tell you right now. If you ever get a glimpse, we tell people, if you ever get a glimpse into our home on most days, crazy is the new norm. It really is because of all that's going on in our home. But you know what? In the midst of all of that, I can stand up here and I can tell you this. We're being led to a peace that passes all understanding. We are being renewed in the midst of craziness. We are being guided into places that we never, ever, ever thought or dreamed that we would go. And we are finding rest with God being in control. And you wanna know what's awesome? Is that you can experience all of this too when you hand over control to God. The third response that we should have in the midst of more than we can handle is this, to give God a platform to showcase his power. Give God a platform to showcase his power. When we have trials or problems in our life, we usually respond in one of two ways. We usually either let it consume us or we kind of try and jump in and fix the problem in our own strength, right? But you see, I believe God allows problems or trials to come in our lives so that we can get to the point where we confess that we just can't do it on our own. We need God's power. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And he's talking about how in three different seasons of his life, he's experienced more than he can handle. And he cries out to God and he's praying to God, I need your help. And this is how God responds to him in verse 9. My grace is all that you need. My power works best in weakness. And if you're like me when you read this, maybe you lean in a little bit and you're like, uh, come again, God? Did you say weakness? God's like, yep. And I'm like, I thought there was shame in being weak. I thought I'm not good enough if I'm weak. God says, oh no. No, I actually get to show off in your weakness. You see, I want to do something through you so that when people look in, they say, wow, I don't understand how you're getting through all of what you're going through in life right now. I want to do something in your life right now that people are astounded at how you handle all of the stress with such grace. I want to do something in your life where people are amazed at my power and your weakness. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Paul did. You wanna know how Paul responded? This is what Paul says. He says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. 
That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. And this last line, will you say it with me, please? For when I am weak, then I am strong. I heard you at Franklin. Let's say it again. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Yeah. Absolutely. You see, we should never let the presence of stress lead us to doubt the presence of God and his power in our lives. Can I say that again? We should never let the presence of stress lead us to doubt the presence of God and his power in our lives. That in the midst of more than we can handle, instead of blaming God or running away from God, instead we give him the platform and say, here you go, God, do what you do. And in the midst of our weakness and in the midst of our fear and in the midst of our stress, God will meet us there. Andy Stanley says it this way. He says, your greatest weakness is God's greatest opportunity to show himself strong in you. You know, when Amy and I get asked about how we do what we do, we try to use it as a platform to brag on God and how God has been so faithful and loving to us throughout this whole time. And one of the ways that God has shown his power in our lives during this time is through the help and support of other people. And I know that this may sound crazy to some of you, but one of the conversations that we had at the very beginning of this process of how in the world are we going to bring two babies into our home? And I told her, I said, there is no way that this is going to be possible without the help of other people. And I got to tell you, our weakness in this is that we're not very good at asking for and receiving help. God's had to chip away at our pride in this and humble us through this process. But I gotta brag on God because God has done some amazing things in all of this journey. God has used people in the church. God has used people in a ministry called Love One that helps foster and adoptive families. God has used our small group. God has used people on the staff here at Emmanuel. And God has even used people that we served alongside of and met on a mission trip to Haiti a couple years ago. And it's so awesome and it blows my mind because when I think back to the very first time that we stepped foot into and came to Emmanuel, when I think back to the very first time that we met with our small group, when I think back to the very first time that we served alongside of those people in Haiti, you see, I thought at that time we were just taking our next steps to help us grow in Christ. But what I didn't realize was that God was at work and he was getting ready to display his power in the midst of the more that we could handle right now and over the last year of our lives. And can I tell you that God wants to do the same thing in your life as well? And here's how I know this. In Isaiah 40, it says this, the Lord is the everlasting God. He's the creator of all the earth. He never, ever, ever grows weak or weary. God is always at work and he never gets tired of it. And in the midst of not of being at work and not getting tired, he gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. And so what we can all know today 
is that God is at work and he's ready to display his power. And tomorrow morning when we all wake up, God is at work and he's gonna be ready to display his power. And the next day when we wake up, God is at work and he's ready to display his power. And that is how we press on in the midst of the more than we can handle. And we all can do this. Doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter where you come from, doesn't matter what stage of life you're in, we can all respond and receive God's presence and power in our lives. And so I wanna close by asking you this question today. How are you responding to the more than you can handle in life? Maybe for some of you, you need to create some more space and turn off the TV or turn off your phone and instead start to read and meditate and memorize more scripture so you can depend more on God's presence. Maybe for some of you, you need to do what Matt talked about last week and join the impact team so that your heart can start to be shaped more towards serving others and less about being in control yourself. Maybe for some of you, need to join a small group during our next group registration, which is coming up, so that you can start to build relationships with other people that God just might use to display His power through your life. We can count on God. We can count on God's presence and power in our lives. You know how we know this? God sent His one and only Son to this earth in the form of human flesh. So Jesus experienced some of the same things that we experience in this life, including more than he can handle. And you can read about some of the stories in the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but one of the stories that sticks out to me is part of Jesus' journey to the cross. He knew where he was going. And as a part of that, he, as a human, he started to experience and know that it was way more than he could handle. And one of the conversations that he had with God the Father, he said, God, I know this is your plan. This is, this is where you're going with this and what you want to happen, but you know what? I'm not sure I can handle it. And so if there's any other way that we can make that happen, I'd, I'd love to vote for that. But he didn't leave it there. He said, God, even if you don't change your mind, I'm gonna depend on your presence as we move forward. God, even if you don't change your mind, I'm gonna hand over control to you as we move forward. God, even if you don't change your mind, I'm gonna give you a platform to display your power as we move forward. And God did. God displayed his power on the greatest platform ever when he sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for you and for me. Not only so that we could go to heaven when we die, but so that we could experience a quality of life right here and now on earth that is better than anything else we will experience in our whole life. And if you're here this morning and you have not placed your faith and trust Christ, this moment is for you. God is here.
and he's inviting you in to begin a relationship with him. And so I wanna invite you at this time, will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? And I'm gonna say a prayer and you can take these words and make them your own. Just have a conversation with God and it can go something like this. God, I thank you so much for loving me right where I am. You love me so much. You sent your son Jesus to die on a cross to forgive me of my sin because I know that I need it. I've messed up, God, but you have given me grace and love and met me where I'm at so that I can start a relationship with you and experience the abundant life that you have for me. And so God, I just wanna confess to you that that's what I want for my life. And will you transform me to make me into who you want me to be? I give my life to you. I'm excited to walk with you from this day forward. And it's in your name I pray this morning. Amen. And amen. You know, church, when people step into a relationship with God, heaven celebrates. And so here at Emmanuel, we want to celebrate too. Can we give God a hand? for what he's doing in those people, amen? Woo! Amen, amen. If you place your faith and trust in Christ this morning, not only do we wanna celebrate with you, but we wanna give you a free gift that's gonna help you continue in your journey. It's a New Believers Bible, and whatever campus you're at, there are tables in the back that we have some amazing people that would love to talk with you and hand you one of these Bibles as you get started in your journey and connect with God through his word. If you accepted Christ and placed your faith in Christ online, if you check that box to let us know and give us your address, we'd love to mail one of these to you as well. Man, this is awesome. Can we just give God a hand again? It's so cool what God is doing. And you know, can you imagine with me what God could do through our lives if we would depend on his presence, if we would hand over control, and if we would give him a platform to display his power? Can you imagine what he could do not only in our lives, but how he would use us to transform our communities and the world? It'd be pretty amazing, wouldn't it? So excited to see how God is gonna do that. At this time, we're gonna hand it over to our campus teams to close things out in our services this morning.